0: You need indeed.
1: When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us.
2: Where would you rather be than right here, right now?
1: The Rock Pile Report
3: with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear.
4: Bills make me wanna yeah.
5: I'm going to go Rex Ryan, though, as a coach who's going to get out of the doghouse. He talks about defense being the family business in the Ryan family. we got his brother Rob coming in there with him. I think they try and honor their father, recently passed away Buddy Ryan, with a big-time turnaround for that Bills defense. Hey,
6: everybody, welcome to the Rock Powell Report. We've gone weekly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for following us. And I'd just like to give a a shout-out to everybody who follows us. So we crossed over on our very first of the weekly shows, back to back. You know, Wednesday to Wednesday, not a whole lot of downtime. We broke a hundred downloads. Third
3: time we've done that. Mm, I would believe Reed Ferguson had a lot to do with it. He's got a
6: lot of followers on Twitter. Well, as he should. The guy's going to be a badass. I can't wait to. I can't wait to watch him just fighting it out with Garrison Sanborn for the snapping footballs long, for the starting long snapping position. But, guys, in all seriousness, I very much appreciate the support. And, you know, for those of you who are fans of the show, stick around because this year we've got a lot of big things coming, okay? It's, exactly. It's going to be a Bill's lot of fanatics, fun. FanaticsBF.com. So, first and foremost, our intro. That was Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network talking about the defensive turnaround they expect from the Buffalo Bills. Well, I'll tell you this. They're not going to get there without their man, Stephon Gilmore. And we're going to jump right into things here with this week's Bills News Update. Now, according to Josie Anderson of ESPN, Stephon Gilmore does not intend to strip, strip, to skip training camp this offseason. He's got no leverage. He doesn't. And even though he doesn't have the long-term contract in place, you know, he's been quoted as saying, I'm going to compete whenever I get there. I'm going to compete. I'm going to work on my craft and training camp and carry that over into the season. Have a great year and see what happens. He also stated via Twitter, I know what I am. It will happen eventually. Now, it, obviously meaning a long-term contract, either here or somewhere else in the NFL. I think that that's the perfect attitude. He, he really doesn't have... A, it's the perfect attitude to bring into this situation, but I also think it's the only point for him to take. He can try to hold out, but he doesn't have any leverage. It's not like we have any reason to pay him any more than he's currently... He can't force us into signing him to an extension.
3: It's not like he's franchise tagged. Any athlete in their contract year shows up to perform. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting Gilmore to have a huge year. And if you want to break it down with Tyrod and Stefan, whoever has a better year and a better contribution to the team, then you should keep that person...
6: I think it's worth noting, because you're talking about this as a Tyrod versus Stefan thing, which a lot of people have, Whaley could, in theory, sign Tyrod to an extension midseason and then next offseason use the franchise tag on Gilmore to extend this drama into next offseason. But either way, it'll be good to have Gilmore back in the fold this season as we try to get our defense to rebound from last year's just, I mean, mediocre all the way around showing. Per RotoWorld.com. Marcus Easley is close to completing his rehab and joining the team for training camp. You know, for everyone out there who might have forgotten about this guy, because not, I don't think I've seen anything about Marcus Easley in the news recently, but I was thinking about him the other night. So I hit, I went to Google and just started Googling news articles about Marcus, Marcus Easley, and I came across this one from the staff at RotoWorld. For everyone who forgot, Easley suffered a gr- just a gruesome knee injury. Last season when he dislocated his kneecap and then broke his knee in three places in that December game against Dallas. You know, talk about just a gut shot. It's a meaningless game at the end of the season. And one of your standouts. He's our best special teamer, Best special teamer all the way around. One of your standouts just gets this horrific injury. But now, per their website, you know, RotoWorld.com, their writers claim that Bill's doctors have found his knee to now be structurally sound, and he's in the last leg of his rehab. They're actually slating him right now tentatively to join the team for at least some part of training camp in the run up to the to the off season. My guess is that they're gonna the announcement's gonna come out any day now that he's gonna start on the pop list. I expect that because it gives him the ability to not have to throw him in right at the beginning of the season. I I think it's best for him to go that road, and I think it's best for the team to take that approach, kind of like with Leotis McKelvin last year. I think that that's the way to approach it with this guy because when he's on the field and he's healthy, he is an all-star on special teams. And our special teams units need to be better.
3: We've learned anything this offseason from our training staff. It's to not trust our doctors based on (laughs) the Shaq Lawson situation and how old... Our training staff is.
6: Well, whatever the case is, I'm just glad to hear that Marcus is feeling better. I mean, that he's getting on the right track and that we might get to see him in a Bills jersey. Because with him on the field, we're a better team. And I'll drink to that. Yeah, we're even better on special teams with him. And then, <clears throat> this past week, Richie Incognito appeared on the Colin Cowherd Show. Live on the couch. <laughs> and well, a lot of the conversation focused on Richie and his road out of, and then back into the NFL. There was an awesome moment where he called out Colin Cowherd. He I knows. do have a bone to pick with you, though, ahead, and please. it comes from Twitter. I hear you're a Buffalo basher. I hear you're always <laughs> on my Buffalo Bills. I'm on Rex. <laughs> Why are you on my guy, Rex? Why are you on my guy, Rex?
3: I'm not a guarantee guy.
1: Okay. He's
3: a guarantee guy. I
0: want to use guys,
6: too. Uh,
3: He's a little bit of a used guys. I like my players to be tough guys. Mm-hmm. I like my coaches to be a little more academic.
6: I love Rex. I know Rex, all and, players too. And, and, and you know what? The biggest thing I could say about Rex is he's a lot different with the media than he is with us.
1: How is he with you? He is straightforward, fun-loving.
6: His spirit is infectious. Rex always has a smile on his face. And uh, Rex is a straight shooter. I've played for a lot of coaches in this league that are scared of their own shadow. And <laughs> Rex is definitely not that. And, um, you know, Rex does all the stuff in the media, and he takes a ton of heat. But what he does is he takes the heat off of us. You're talking about Rex. You're not talking about me.
3: That's Richie Incognito on the herd with Colin Cowherd, Fox Sports Radio.
6: I'll say this. If nothing more, it's a little bit of insight as to why Rex's players will go to the mat for him. Because he stands up for them. He says, listen, I'm going to go make it. I'm going to go make an ass out of myself in front of the cameras. I know I'm doing it. I know what I'm going to say probably isn't the smartest thing in the entire world. I'm going to piss off a lot of people. But no one's going to be sniffing around here asking you questions, Richie. Or, you know, Cordy, that's your contract year, and people are going to be coming around asking you what's going on with this and what's going on with your contract, and do you expect an extension, yada, yada, yada. You won't hear those questions because Rex just makes himself a magnet for all of that negativity, and he pulls it away from the rest of the team. And I think that that's why his players are willing to go to war for him.
3: Yeah, we'll see that this year with Tyrod and Gilmore and their contracts.
6: And not only that, but I, I want to say that I like—I've always liked Richie Incognito. Okay, a lot of people haven't. I remember when he was—he was playing for the Rams. There was a game where Richie Incognito got into a fight. He got two back-to-back. And, and in this interview with Colin Cowherd, he even spoke to that. You know, he said he was sick during a bit that he, they were talking about playing for the Rams. He said he was sick of being a part of a terrible football team. They weren't winning football games. They were poorly coached. Steve Spagnuolo was their coach, and it was his first stint as a HC. So he'd never really had that experience. And when he talks about coaches that are scared of their own shadow, I guarantee you Spagnuolo is one of the guys he was talking about because that's he was his first year. He didn't know what to expect, and he was clearly in over his head. His teams went 1-15 and 2-14. and So at one point during a game, he gets back-to-back personal fouls because Let's not, you know, let's not brush over the fact. For as much as he may have reformed himself off the field and in the locker room, Richie Incognito is still a crass, nasty guy. And he always has been, and he always will be. He's out there; he draws back-to-back personal fouls, and they pull him off the field because I don't know. Spagnolo thought he was going to teach him a lesson, you know, show him up. He gets into it, so Incognito comes off the field, gets into an argument with Spagnolo, and then throws his helmet at him and gets thrown out of the game and sent to the locker room. Now, you're talking about this guy. And when I saw and then then he got shipped out and he ended up on the Bills roster for the rest of that season. That was back when we had TO. Incognito was here on our roster and I said I watched him play and I was like I like this guy. He's nasty and I want to keep him. We let him walk once. We brought him back and look at what he's doing. The guy is a pro bowl level talent and if he can just keep it together mentally. Mentally. He's he's one of the better guards in football.
3: Yeah, and he's he
6: as like, pretty good for being 32. But what I like about him the most is that he has the balls to say this to Colin Cowherd on national TV. But would you expect anything less from Richie? No. I mean, Colin had to kind of figure he was going to call him out.
3: Yeah, because I, I, I listen to the Herd on a regular basis, and I believe Christine Leahy saw Richie Incognito at a club in L.A., and... Right there on the spot said, hey, why don't you come on and join us on the couch for the herd? (laughs) And the day before Colin Coward was saying, like, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, buddy, buddy with him. You know, I'm going to ask him about his situation with Jonathan Martin and ask some tough questions.
6: (sighs) Uh, All I know is I think there's a reason Richie's resigned here, and I think a lot of it has to do with Rex Ryan. Because clearly that guy, he just gets it. He's the ultimate player's coach. And if there was ever a player that would respond to that type of coaching, it's Richie Incognito. And then this week, guys, we want to talk about Bills Fanatics Spotlight. All right? This week, the guys from the Bills Fanatics Barbershop, okay? We had Rico on with Pierre, and they were talking a little bit about um, just just some different Bills topics this week. Two of them were kind of hot button. One of them, Stephon Gilmore, which is the ongoing conversation because there's nothing new happening right now. And also they got together to talk about Fred Jackson rejoining the Buffalo Bills. It's, it's really interesting. Why don't you give it a listen
1: here? Let's look at it from this point, too. Let's look at it from this point. You don't feel that, and you know this. I know you know this. You don't feel that Fred Jackson's like, yo, fuck Buffalo. They fucking betrayed me. I ain't fucking going back. All this, all these fans, fuck them. I ain't coming back. You don't think you're sick of that? because they did him dirty they did not do him yeah. dirty yeah no man, they said he hey dirty, fred man. hey fred check this out you a veteran you ain't got nothing to worry about homie so just chill relax ice that hamstring you'll be good just rest up we're gonna let the young bucks You'll go at it preseason comes hits a 41 yarder he's feeling like yo i just proved that i'm fucking worthy enough to be on this team hey uh fred you got your playbook come on over with us <laughs> fuck? come on over what did they gave me a new playbook did they gave me an ipad Hey, little guy. Uh, check this out. Uh, you're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna let you go. Uh, <laughs> you and Danielle, Danielle Jackson, and the kids. And uh, I mean, you've been great for Buffalo. Inside, he's like, "You motherfuckers, you gonna do this to me?" He, <laughs> inside, he's like Denzel Washington Ugh. at Training Day. You gonna do this to me? That's exactly what he's thinking about. But he's he's playing cool. He's got to be professional, right? Oh, okay. But he's furious inside. So you think he's gonna come back to Buffalo? In, in front of Whaley, because he has he's got he's feeling some type of way with Whaley. you know that nah, he's not coming back mean, so we can do all this talking and jiving and chit chatting that nigga ain't coming back let me, let me drop a stat on you real quick um, pro football uh, focus you know they, they they do rankings on every single player from o line to corner to punter to whatever they have Gilly ranked tenth the tenth best cornerback and they have his counterpart his next door neighbor Darby rookie as fourth okay perfect you know what let's stop
2: right there would you pay would you pay Darby right now 14 million right now come on
1: man that's silly
2: he only has one year under his
1: belt exactly
2: that's my point so to sit there and say that you know what hey you know Darby's Darby's good but I have to see you know Gilmore has been playing somewhat at
1: a high level for okay okay Years now. And then we have those rookies that we signed in, and we have uh Sterling Moore that's making a name for himself. Court White making a name for himself. You know my man Mario Butler, he's still he's still in the house. So, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it, man, you know how to plug my man in. It's not it's, like these guys are garbage. You mean, like, these guys can play. Listen, you know listen. Until they prove themselves, they garbage to me. That's uh,
2: how I've always been. I've uh, always been. Because, for example, for example, right? So we're talking about Gilmore, talking about Darby, right? And then all of a sudden, in OTAs, what happened. In OTAs, who got all the hype? Okay. Kevon
1: Seymour,
2: right? Yep. And everyone's saying, "Yo, fuck Gilmore. We can just put <laughs> fucking Seymour in there." Like, hold on, you We don't know Seymour is it, it, is good or not. You
1: know what uh, I'm saying? Show me first. Let's let's just say this. A lot of fans like <laughs> to oh, jump. Man. A lot of fans like to jump to conclusion. Which Including you Including <laughs> you. Oh, relax, relax, take with me.
6: You can find that and more of their audio at uh, BF.com, also on their YouTube channel. Bills, Bills Fanatics, Fanatics BF. And you can find their Facebook page, Bills Fanatics. I think that there's a lot of interesting content there. Um, first of all, the Denzel Washington line had me dying. I was at work listening to it. I don't think that there's a chance Whaley would ever bring back Fred Jackson because if he does, it makes him look bad. It makes him look bad. It's him admitting that he screwed up letting him go. That'll never happen. I don't even want Reggie Bush here. No, God, no. No. And we're going to talk about that all a little bit later in the show because this week we have a special guest. uh, Gary Smith is going to, from AFC East Bros Podcast, is going to join us. And we're going to get into a little bit of that. But ultimately, I don't think he has a place here, and neither does Reggie Bush. If Reggie Bush is here, I still don't want him here stealing reps from our young talent. Second off, I think it's you know the Gilmore debate. It continues to go on as to whether or not Gilmore is truly an elite talent or whether the Bills would be okay without him on the roster based on Darby's performance. He's top 10. Well, here's what I will say. You talk to Darby about it. You put a microphone in front of the kid. He sounds pretty confident in himself.
2: We have a huge chip on our shoulder because, you know, we don't want to repeat that. We want to be in the top and everything. So when we go out there, we try to work as hard as possible. Communication is the key. And we make sure we stay on top of that. I've seen a lot my first year. I'm more comfortable with recognizing formations and just communication-wise with the vets and guys on the field. So I know where most of my help coming from. I know when I don't have help. So that'll help me play more comfortably. I'm pretty comfortable in my press, so this OTA is I wanted to like work on my off a lot more. Because, you know, we don't be off as much, but that's something I want to be comfortable in as well.
6: All of that audio came from buffalobills.com. Clearly the guy's confident in his own abilities, and he's already thinking. He's in that veteran mindset already. He's like, this is what I know I'm good at, but I want to get better. I want to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better at this. He's like, I'm already feeling more comfortable. The guy is feeling himself, and you have to love that. As a Bills fan, you gotta love the fact that this kid who came out second round draft pick, I'll tell you, I was out of town when we, during the second round of the draft. I missed it. My phone wasn't on me all day. I finally get back to camp. I start going through my cell phone, long, long ass kayak trip. I get back to my phone, and I've got 42 text messages. Most of my friends are just bitching up a storm about, oh, we took some small cornerback. Oh, we blew this draft. Oh, no, we didn't. You know what? And and what I said to everyone, I was like, everyone, just hang on because, A, you can never have enough cornerbacks. Never. And, B, the kid, after I got to see a little bit of him, because he wasn't a guy I was paying any attention to pre-draft, I'll admit it. I went back and watched some of the tape on him, and he looked he looked like he could be serviceable at the NFL level. I didn't know he was going to have that good of a season, but I was like, this guy may be a productive member of this team, so let's not bash the pick.
3: My biggest pet peeve of college cornerbacks that are coming into the NFL draft is when draft pundits and analysts talk about they only had two interceptions.
6: Dog, annoy, That cover, annoys me. The thing is, if you're a good enough cover corner— me. People stop throwing at you. They exactly. Just, people stop. People. And then if they do he throw get you thrown ball, at at FSU. And if they do throw at you, it's a ball that they're praying that their guy can catch that your guy can't. They're just going to throw that back shoulder fade. And if they miss, they miss. They're not going to let that because they know that cornerback is good enough to get it. I like the fact that Darby started his season last year with a pick against the Colts. It was against fantastic. Luck. And then you talk to the coaching staff. The coaching staff does nothing but rave about this guy. Here's some audio from Rob Ryan talking about Derby.
1: It's uh, going to be really hard to play much better than he did last year. I mean, I saw him on the tape. I've seen all the tape. Uh, the guy's a fantastic corner. I mean, it's it's amazing. The young man, he'll work on his craft every day. He's got, he per, uh, perceived, I want to do this. I want to play this better. And that kid's out there working on it.
6: I mean, everyone's talking about him, you know, BuffaloBills.com. You can go there and find just volumes of coaches raving about this kid. At the end of the day, he could be something special. But I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of almost with Pierre on this. Don't let's. St- I don't want to get stuck in this mindset of okay, the kid had one really great season. He's going to come out this year. We'll wait and see. Yeah, if he's gr- have that about Tyrod, too. Because if he's great, if he's great. Then who knows, maybe the front office makes the decision to spend their cap dollars elsewhere. They say, say, okay, we already have an elite cornerback on a contract for two more years. Why spend top dollar? We can go out and draft another good one, or we can go out and get another decent one in free agency, whatever the case may be. Or Kevon Seymour
3: has a decent year. Who knows? Because he was talked up in OTAs. But at
6: the same time, if Darby struggles... Now, you're faced with a situation where you have the defense is what's going to win. You know, when you play the style of football we do, your defense is going to carry you to victories. I believe I've always have been saying that defense wins championships. But you're going to have to have those, especially in Rex's scheme, you're going to have to have those press cover corners. And so it's going to be interesting because I think Darby's season, not even so much Gilmore's season, but Darby's season is actually going to impact what we do with Stephon Gilmore. Everybody, we got a real treat for you all tonight here to discuss the uh, you know we're going to compare and contrast the 2015 training camp roster to the 2016 training camp roster i couldn't think of anybody better to do it, do it with than our fellow bills fan
3: arcade collector donut connoisseur afc east bros podcast gary
6: smith let's do it Is everything in New Jersey tonight, Gary?
5: Everything in New Jersey is going swell. I mean, the weather's beautiful. It's hot out here, but you know what? We're enjoying it.
6: What do you guys... Have and you guys gotten any rain
5: at all? It's dry as a bone over here. We're actually <laughs> supposed to get some rain on my birthday. On Friday, we're supposed to get a pretty nasty thunderstorm, so...
6: Well, that sucks. No no, no hanging out on a patio for you, I guess?
5: No hanging on the patio, man, for me. That sucks. So... Yeah. So, I just want to
6: bring up a point before we even, you know, start talking about football here.
5: (laughs) Oh, here we go.
6: (laughs) So, I have to ask, arcade games in your garage. You guys recently did like a live cast thing on Facebook, you and your brother, for your podcast, and I noticed as you guys were panning around, you have just an absolute shitload of arcade games. Is that, is that your garage?
5: That's my garage. That's my man cave. And, you know, I, I really got to give credit to one of my best friends, Matt Dombrowski, man. He helped me lug every single one of those games. From We went from Connecticut. We went from Pennsylvania to, to pick these games up. And really, I'm, I'm on Craigslist every day looking for a deal. So,
6: <laughs> so out of all of the games you have, now I, I know that there was some footage of you and your brother playing NFL Blitz. What okay. is your, what, outside of that, what is your favorite game besides Blitz?
5: Well, I'll tell you right now, favorite game to, to play is definitely uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, but my prized possession is an arcade game, if you guys don't know this, look it up, it's called Arm Champs 2, okay? It was an arm wrestling game, came out in 92, and I called, I'm not in line you, Drew, I called maybe over 300 arcade dealers to get this game. I Listen, you've seen the photo on me on Twitter. I lifted all these weights <laughs> to get my revenge, all right? I had a score to settle when I was seven years old with this arcade machine. And uh, anyway, I called over 300 dealers, couldn't find the game. I finally called the next morning, a company out in California, and they said, yeah, we have it in a warehouse. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, you know, we'll fix it up, and we'll ship it out to New Jersey. So to make a long story short, I got it in two weeks, and then three days later, yeah, a game on eBay in Wildwood, New Jersey. That same game was available, so I could have picked it up in New Jersey <laughs> had I waited. Yeah.
6: Hey, but you know what? You saw what you wanted, and you took it.
5: That's right, man. I'm, I'm a go-getter.
6: I'm looking at some pictures of this thing, and it is wild. So, guys, yeah. if anyone out there is listening, go and just Google Arm Champs 2. This thing is awesome. Now, what year was this thing even made in? Because it, it looks like the old-school, old-school arcade game. And it's yeah, just got it was, the arm not- sticking out of it. And then you grab it. And then or what are you like? I'm assuming there's like a compressor in there or something or how did it hydraulics?
5: Yeah, it's probably a hydraulic system more like. And you know what? I tell you right now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to beat the game. You know, I, I just want to lay that out there. But after you played three, four times, man, I'll tell you, your arm is sore. I was icing my elbow. Uh the next day after I was playing that game. And, and it came out in 92. It was made by a company called Jelco. They were a Japanese company. And uh, uh they shortly went after business after that, after that game <laughs> well, came out. Well, so. you see why.
6: Well, you know why? Because they created a game that just made everyone angry.
5: Now,
3: how many arcade yeah. games do you have in your garage?
5: Let's see. I got six. Six games. Six games and a donut machine. I got two donut machines, fellas. So have you... Have you been to Paula's Donuts out here? I haven't. Well, you know, I've only, actually to, I've only been to Tim Horton. That's the only, and that's not even really a donut shop in my book. Well, if you're coming in for the 49ers game, well, actually, Paula's Donuts. Well,
6: Gary and I had had a conversation about this, and he informed me. I guess I, I, I'm not a, I'm, I don't know anything about donuts. I didn't realize that there's a difference between your fry cake donuts and just cake
5: donuts. Is that right? Yeah, Am your, I saying that right? yeast your your yeast donuts and then you got cake donuts and then uh you know that's pretty much the two that you 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 go between
6: so yeast donuts would be like a like a crispy cream then correct okay and then your cake donuts are going to be like your paul is your tim hortons your
5: correct so oh, okay. more lines of that you know a lot of these craft uh, donut shops that are made to order they're all cake donuts where they make them on the spot but mm-hmm. a yeast donut it's like any other yeast product. It takes all night to rise, you know. You got to wait. Uh, so uh, I could go on, on and on. But <laughs> yeah,
3: when you come in for the 49ers game, we're gonna go to Paula's Donuts. I'll
5: tell you like what. Like I said, boy. Like I said, boys, be prepared. To get your big boy boots on because it's gonna be a hell of a night.
6: Oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be fantastic. Speaking of which, you got your tickets yet?
4: I'm. I listen.
6: I'm trying to listen, but I can't hear you speak.
5: I'm a last-minute guy. Uh, last year, when I found out that Bra- when Brady was playing the Bills Week Two, I waited to the last day to get the tickets. I'm always waiting for a good deal, so I, I'm gonna I'll get them. I promise you. I already got two of my buddies who 49ers fans. I already told them to save that weekend. You know.
3: All right. Yeah, my wife. Nice. I, I also so, sent you the there. I sent you the StubHub thing for there's six seats
6: available behind behind Drew. I don't
3: know if eight. he wants. To,
6: I don't know if he wants to subject himself to
5: that. I don't know <laughs> No, listen. Listen, I Drew, I wanna be as close to the action as possible. But I'm telling you right now, usually every time where I sit there at a seat, it usually gets a little riley. Oh, right me,
6: see so. that's why people don't like ask Chris. Chris was flat out told I left the Browns game. I'll admit that I walked out of the last Bills versus Browns game here in Buffalo because I just I sat through at the game half time. I sat through the game that was six to three. Okay, I sat wow. through that, and I'll never do it again. Okay. And I thought it was going to happen again, and I was just full of negativity. And so I, being the bigger man, decided I would take all of my negativity and just take it out to the parking lot, away from all the people who paid to watch wow. this game. I was like, because people were like, oh, shut up. Stop being such a, you're, you're being a loser right now. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my loser ass out to the parking lot because I'm clearly just upsetting everybody. And so I just
5: left. Drew, I hope I hope in all of our cases we have to never subject ourselves to an offense like that again. No, God I hope no. Those days are long and gone.
6: Oh, thank God! But you know what? It's so I left, and Chris was talking to some guys who were sitting the row behind him because he was sitting in those seats right behind mine. And he's talking to the guy, and the guy tells him, "Yeah, I used to sit where you're sitting, but I moved up a row to get away from that guy because when he gets rowdy, <laughs> he gets rowdy." Wow. Man, oh yeah, funny. but in any event, let's let's get down to the nitty gritty here. So, let's do it. If we st- if we take a look at who we're bringing to training camp this year versus who we had in last year, I mean, if you're taking a look at because uh, you think about the ninety man team that comes to training camp, that's the pool of talent that you're given. You know, that's your hand. Mm-hmm. And you have to try to make the best winning combination you can out of the parts you've been given. It's like a hand in poker. You just got to take what you have and hope that you can win with it. Now I wanted to take a look, I gave it a thought, and I want to take a look at position by position, whether we think we are better than we were going into training camp last year, the same, or whether we're worse. Now, It all starts off at the center position. This year we've got Fernando Velasco, he's a six-year veteran, he's played for a number of different teams. You've got Eric Wood, the incumbent starter. He's an eight-year veteran. The guy's, you know, the guy is our starting center, and he will be barring some kind of, you know, some kind of injury or anything like that. And then we brought in a rookie, Robert Kugler. Last year in 2015, we had Eric Wood and Craig Urbic, and that was it. That was the only competition for the center position.
5: Right. <laughs> so, I mean,
6: um, I, I mean, what do you think about it?
5: I think we got better there, and I, and I think uh, if you look. The reason why we brought, we opted to get Fernando Velasco over keeping Craig Ervick, was that Craig Ervick really excelled in pass blocking, but suffered in run blocking. And then of course, you know, in R- Greg Roman's system, it's all about the run. And Fernando Velasco is an excellent run blocker. I mean, I'm not. I hate to always pound my fist about pro football focus. A lot of people. Uh, Live and die by that. I'm not one of those guys I think it doesn't tell the whole tape because Mm -hmm. there's a huge flaw to pro football focus They simply don't know what the offense or the defense What they're supposed to be doing at any given time Mm -hmm. so but either way they grab they grade it Fernando Velasco very high in the run block and and Craig Erick was graded very low. So I give the nod to this year's uh, uh, Camp as far as going with centers. Oh, absolutely
6: I think that the, we swapped Urbic for Velasco. Like you were just saying, pro football focus tends to put things, they just look at the statistics play by play. They don't look at the context of any one given play. You know, some,
5: yeah, they don't. Some guy, they may, don't have
6: been, some guy the, may have been they great want. at, you know, it may have been a passing play. And some guy says, hey, you know, they're like, oh, hey, he didn't get knocked down. He didn't do anything. Okay, but what kind of passing play is it? If it's a play action, if it's a play action passing play, and his job is to roll his man to the outside so that the quarterback can bootleg, and he doesn't do that successfully, but he doesn't give up a sack, even though he wasn't, and the quarterback has to throw the ball away early. Okay, the quarterback doesn't take a hit. The quarterback got rid of the ball. He he did his job, quote unquote, according to Pro Football Focus. He didn't get beat, but he wasn't effective at what he was supposed to be doing within that given play.
5: Right. They don't. They simply don't know the assignment of of the uh, player at any given play. They just know. They're just seeing what they could go by film, and in certain aspects they could judge by that. But then, you know, there's certain times you really can't get a gauge on it. So yeah.
6: Yeah. It's, but I think it's easy to declare this year's section of the roster much stronger than last year's. Hundred percent. Next, we're going to talk about cornerbacks. This year, we're bringing in – I mean, we lost – I mean, we got a lot of new faces. We lost some players. We gained some players. We lost Ron Brooks. (laughs) Oh, I'm (laughs) so sad. Our friend Greg will be devastated that Ron Brooks is gone. He used to call for Ron Brooks being one of the top cornerbacks on this team. No No idea how. Wow. But he used to call it. So last year, we came into campus. I
3: don't know how that – I don't think – I don't think he was a fan of Ron Brooks. I think it was cuz I don't dare and some somebody did this in December. I'll I'll actually I'll actually uh, look for it and uh send you the tweet but some dude tweeted in December I would rather have Ron Brooks than Stefan Gilmore. Oh my lord.
6: That guy should be
5: slapped across
6: the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people hit a heart. People hit a heart on for Ron Brooks. So, looking at who we brought to camp last year, Stephon Gilmore, Leotis McKelvin, Ron Darby is a rookie, Nickel Roby is our nickel corner, Ron Brooks, Ross Cockrell, Rod Sweeting, Mario Butler, Cam Thomas, and Merrill Noel. Didn't really know a whole lot of those names. This year, we're walking in with Darby in his second year, Butler in his second year, Nickel Roby. Okay. Again, the guy's still kind of fighting for that. He's fighting for that. You know, he, he, Last year, he was going away the incumbent starter at the nickel corner position. This year, you've got Nikhil Roby, but then you've also got guys like Sterling Moore and Corey White. These guys are veterans who have all played the slot, who have all done very well at, in, right. at different points in their careers. So I think it's going to bring a lot of competition to that position alone. Sammy Seamster, you know, Corey White, Corey, you know, Corey White, Stephon Gilmore, obviously, Kevon Seymour, rookie. He's the only rookie in our secondary, right? Or at least from the cornerback position. And then Javier Arenas. You know, just yeah. return specialist. You know, that's that's all he is. He hasn't brought much to the defensive side of the ball. But when I look at this year's group and back it up against last year's group, I think we have a lot of depth there.
5: Yeah, quality depth, too. You mentioned uh, Sterling Moore and Corey White, guys with some starting experience behind their belt. Um, and it's interesting enough, you, you mentioned to Roby. Well, he's not a guarantee to even have that nickel role. You know, last year he was a lock. He got a contract extension going in a, a camp last year, and they kind of presumed to be the man. But it looks like Sterling Moore might actually dethrone him at that spot, which would be probably an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um and also, Kevon Seymour is, is, a, is a huge sleeper. I mean, the coaching staff has been singing his praises. I'm not going to sip on the Kool-Aid just yet. I want to see how the, when the pads come on how he plays. But definitely, you know, um, another year with Ronald Darby underneath his belt, you know, he's probably coming into his own, had a great rookie outing. I'd have to give the nod to uh, this year's crew. Now, I think one thing I'd like to say, I think, is that we jumped the gun On Ross Cockrell. I would like to have that guy on our roster. He did excellent last year for Pittsburgh. I
6: thought the same thing even as I was saying his name. I'm like, Jesus. Watching him start and do well for the Steelers made me sick. Because I'm just like, come on. You know, we we couldn't have found a
5: spot for that guy. Because he can clearly play football at the NFL level. Yeah. And you know what? It kind of – and we wouldn't have had him for much. He was only a fourth-round pick. So you got to figure his contract would have been really minimal had we have kept him. So it's kind of – I don't know. You know, you're always a genius after the fact.
6: (laughs) But in
3: any event, I think we can both agree that this. Well, we did uh, have to carry two kickers, right? (laughs) Right. We had to, you know, Ross Cockrell, we can't keep you because we need two kickers.
6: We're going to get into that in a few minutes. But I think that both, you know, you and I can both agree, Gary, that this year we have the better cornerback roster. Absolutely. Next up next up is defensive ends. We're looking at <laughs> some of these guys' names. I, I don't even know where they came from. I don't even remember seeing them in a Bills jersey. Last year, we started with Alex Carrington, Stephon Charles, Jarius Wynn, Corbin Bryant, Eric Williams, Mario Williams, Jerry Hughes, Cedric Reed, Andrew Hudson, and B.J. Larson.
5: Yeah. Do you recognize any of those names? It's, it's funny. Half the guys you mentioned aren't even in the league anymore. No. Uh, you know, I must say that the superstar names, Mario Williams, Jerry Hughes, of course, they stand out. Um, but for a depth perspective, uh, you know, Corbin Bryan's still on the team. Stefan Charles, Stefan Charles has a spot on the Lions right now but all the other names you mentioned are out of the league. They don't even have employment right now. So, it's <laughs> I, it's going to be very hard for me to give the nod to last year's defensive ends. Well, I don't know.
6: It's I'll tell you, it's harder for me because the when I take a look at it, here's what I see. Okay. We have some talent. We do. Okay, we have yeah. I'm not going to try to argue that. What right. I will say is that you look at what we lost. Okay, we lost Mario Williams, and for as much as I say, hey, he got lazy on us, he did. There's no defending right. the way he. There's no defending the way he went about things. There's no defending just how he approached the the meat of the season, where he basically just quit on us. You know, it's been well documented. Uh, but when you look at, when you look at that lineup last year. Jarius Wynn was a decent depth player. Stephon Charles was a decent depth player. All of these guys were good depth to have on the team. Now we're talking about going into this season with, you know, what is it? Doosable, LeVar Edwards. We've got Cedric Reed. He's still here. Max Valles, I don't know. He's been in the league for a year, I guess. Jerry Hughes and Shaq Lawson. There's two names out of that entire list that I expect to make the team, and one of them won't be playing for the first six games.
5: Uh, they call it yeah, but you know what? Uh, in in this year's roster, uh, the names that you mentioned right there, you know, these guys though they've been in the league, they've had some uh, playing time, they've been on a 53-man roster. B.J. Larson, uh, you know, I think his only stop was Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, so to me, it, it's this is almost like a wash you can almost say, in in this year's uh, category. Also, it's going to be interesting to see whether we're going to plug Jarrell Worthy as a defensive end in the 3-4. Legere Doosable, a lot of people might not be familiar with that name, but he he spent a lot of time at Rex in New York. So to me, that's a great depth guy that we got there. Um, You know, I'd have to give the nod to this year's roster. See, I'm giving it
6: to last year's, and I'll tell you why. Oh, here we go. And and so this is where we get, this is where we get divisive. The group looks different. I think a lot of it has to do with the change in philosophy, defensive scheme. Okay, last year he right. tried to do this blending thing where he was going to blend the four three with his idea of a three four, and he was going to mix all this stuff together. Which is why we're carrying fewer de's than we were last year. Whoa, you were right over there. Yeah, I'm
5: here. Sorry. Sounds I'm like you're attending a, a rave. No, no, my I don't know. My phone's cutting out. I'm here. Oh, okay. So, yeah,
6: I think ultimately the pickup of Shack Lawson doesn't wash out the pickup of you know the loss of Mario. Even if Mario was half-assing things when he's at his when he's on, he's on. We don't know what Shack Lawson is, and he's hurt. So that leaves us with one effective rush D end, and I don't see. I mean, I think if we had to. I almost, the way I look at some of these DMs on our current training camp rosters is that we may have to keep them, not even because we want them, just because we need them for the scheme.
5: Yeah, I mean, but, but can you say the same about last year's? I mean, like I said, Alex Carrington, he hasn't been picked up. Jarris Wynn, he has been picked up. Uh, I mean, those guys were, were roster spots last year. So, you know, it's almost the same scenario. It's, uh, that's why I said I'd, I'd pull most, most – to the as being a wash than actual mm-hmm. last year pulling it towards them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I might be being a little optimistic, but I, to me, I didn't think that last year's depth chart going into camp was that great as far as the DN spot.
6: All right. Well, from what I can see right here, just looking at this, we're never going to agree on it. I think we're weak. You think we're all right. We're going to move on to defensive tackles. Okay. So So far, we've agreed that in but what is it? Three different positions of the roster. We're pretty good. You now center quarterbacks. Yeah. You think we're good on defensive end. I think we're worse. So right now it's two to one. You know, we, we agree, disagree. Defensive tackles. Defensive tackle is where it gets really interesting because last year we walked into camp. Here's the here's this illustrious list of names. Marcel Darius, Kyle Williams, Andre Fluellen Jeremy Towns. And some kid named Justin Hamilton.
5: Uh, Man, uh, what about Red Bryant? We're missing him, too. Red Bryant,
6: he was on the roster, and he was excused, like, the second week. (laughs)
5: Like, the second
6: week uh, of training camp he got kicked out. (laughs) His
5: best days are behind him.
6: Um, He went to play for the Patriots and almost made the Super Bowl, though. That's fine.
5: Yeah, right? What a jerk, off. No, he was actually uh, he was on the Cardinals last year. Was he? Yeah, that's what he was on. So, but either way, uh, you know, not not really effective names when you're when you're counting those guys. And um, the only thing you could say is that yeah, you had a more youthful Kyle Williams la- going into ca- mm-hmm. camp last year. Maybe you could give uh, make that argument. But as far as there's no really comparison coming into this year with Adolphus Washington. Uh, I mentioned Darrell Worthy. We don't know where he's going to play. Mm-hmm. I do like T.J. Barnes, uh, the big nose tackle. I, if we could get something out of him, you know, a, a kind of awaken a sleeping giant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe that's a good depth guy right there behind Marcel Darius. I think
6: well, I think the guy everybody's sleeping on is Justin Zimmer. I
5: really do. I, but, see, I, I peg him more of his – and this is where it gets tricky because I have him fitted as a 3-4 defensive end. I just can't see him – and he was also a defensive end in college. Mm-hmm. I just don't see him playing uh, a nose tackle or a defensive tackle role. Maybe in a three third downs is like a gap shooting uh, defensive tackle because he has good speed. But uh, he'll probably be a three four defensive end. Well, if you look at what they went out and did. OK, now in
6: 2015, we only had two players at camp that could be referred to as impact players. OK, that's where I'm going to start my whole argument for this. We only had two guys who you could say were impact. Andre Fluellen, he's the only other name I know, and that's just because he's been around the NFL. Kyle yeah, Williams I went mean, down, yeah. and you saw our you saw our defense suffer when Kyle Williams left. All of a sudden, we didn't uh, have that penetrating de- interior lineman, and it just killed that. On top of the linebacker injuries, just crushed whatever Rex was trying to do with this scheme.
5: Yeah and that, and that's why uh, this is so important that we're talking about this uh, this year because I think a lot of the big name stars that we had last year were great but once they all fell off our depth really we saw, we saw our true colors last year that we built mm-hmm. zero depth behind our premier players. Oh
6: absolutely. I'm I'm I will 100% agree with that. I think I think Kyle Williams's injury last season is what led to Adolphus Washington being drafted. Well, plus
3: plus the draft this year, D tackle was by far the deepest position in the draft. It so, was. knowing that Kyle Williams is at the end of his career, if you could get a, ta- a defensive tackle in the 3rd round that has first to second round, a first to second round grade,
6: take him. I mean, you're also talking about Kyle Williams has an 8 million dollar cap hit next season.
5: Yeah. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't expect Kyle Williams to be back after this year. I know a lot of Bills fans are going to give me flack for that, but really, I mean, unless something can be reworked, uh, you know, and Kyle Williams has has had a tremendous career with the team, but, you know, Sal Capaccio was very vocal about this as well. This might be his last ride Mm -hmm. with the Buffalo Bills, and, you know, Adolphus Washington is way in the woodworks. I really like the pick. Uh, You put on uh, the Northern Illinois tape when he played them. Mm -hmm. you he would just be like, oh my god, this is a guy who's a first round pick. What he division
3: is in like Northern Iowa? Are they a part of like Division One or Two? Or, uh, yeah, they're, they're or a, are they a high school a, team?
5: No, Northern Northern <laughs> Illinois is actually, uh, you know, they they they're comparable teams like Tulsa, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not premier. premier teams. Di- yeah, yeah. They're,
6: they're not standout teams, but at the same time, they're good teams. Eh. The, but they're D one teams that are can hold their own in some spots.
3: They're collegiate teams that get seen on ESPN eight. The Ocho.
5: <laughs> so <laughs> in ESPN any ESPN
6: What I see is this: we've got a good mix now with our defensive tackle, and you know what? You're right. Some of these guys might slot in as tweeners. You know, they they're not. I mean, I think Jarrell Worthy. I think if there's any role Jarrell Worthy can finally fill, it's coming in here and being just a zero technique D lineman. I mean, he's a yeah. big guy, and he's got a low center of gravity. The thing that has killed him is that he has zero push. You know, he, he He's not the guy who's going to move your pocket. But when you have defensive ends like Kyle Williams and Darius and hopefully Adolphus Washington and guys like Justin Zimmer who might slide over, like you were saying, into the DN spot, if a guy like Jarrell Worthy can come in and show that he can anchor that line, it means the other guys can go do what they do best, which is disrupt and uh, penetrate. I yeah, think that we've absolutely. got high-end talent, we've got young vets, we've got rookies that have upside. I, th- I, th- I think that they learned from their mistakes last season and that they bolstered their depth at this. Now it's going to be really interesting to see how this, you know the depth chart washes out. Absolutely. Fullback. How do you feel about fullback? One of the, one of the most underrated positions in football?? Okay. Last year, Jerome Felton and John Connor, the Terminator. This year, Jerome Felton and Glenn Gronkowski.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know what? Uh, The difference is that last year you had two traditional fullbacks on the roster, guys that are just sledgehammers. And this year you got, you plug in Glenn Gronkowski, who gives you kind of a passing element. And, uh, you know, a lot of Bills insiders believe that Jerome Felton's the odd man out because, you know, let's face it. I mean, we didn't use him that often uh especially when Lashawn McCoy was in the game you know Lashawn McCoy's played his career without having a fullback uh, we actually so, talked
6: about that with um so when we did our podcast about a month ago with Eric Turner I don't know if you've ever seen it we've been pumping it a little bit cover1.net yeah uh,
5: Eric, Eric does excellent work so he and
6: I were talking about it and we discussed the fact that Jerome Felton came in here as a former pro bowler at tight end at tight end at fullback. and everyone expected him to just m- have that like immediate impact. He's gonna show his value and he's gonna really help our run game. The problem is, is yeah. that he was he was blocking, okay? He spent the the prime of his career blocking for Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson's probably one of the most elite running backs of all time. Top five all time. I'd say top five all time. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. put Yokozuna in that Absolutely. top five,
5: but. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, listen, let's go. Let's get the Yokozuna thing right out of the way. This is my list, all right? It's a personal <laughs> list. If I want to put Yokozuna on my list, if I want to put uh, uh, Doink the Clown on my list.
6: I was about I to say like, Doink oh. the Clown. He's in my top five. Well, there you go. Doink the Clown is in my top five, and that's only because...
3: Is it's that the original Doink the Clown as a heel? Yeah, Because yep. that was the yep. only time not it the worked. Not the good
6: Doink the Clown, not when he had Dink, that. and not when... You have to have Doink the Clown as the bad guy Doink the Clown, because you know what? He made it interesting, because every now and again, yeah. he'd get dark, and he would win a match or two, and you'd be like, damn, Doink the Clown.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was... Uh, I like the I like the heel Doink the Clown, would honestly, especially that... Uh, that dark intro music he had. It was, it was class.
6: Oh yeah. But so in any event you want to talk about, he spent the prime of his career blocking for Adrian Peterson. So yeah, Adrian Peterson can do a lot of different things, but he's an upright downhill runner. The thing we talked about was that McCoy is a creator. McCoy is what we were hoping CJ Spiller was going to be. You know, we got a guy who once you get him out in space, He's got the lateral agility to set up his own runs. He doesn't need a fullback. And the prob- I think the part of the problem with a traditional fullback role trying to block for a running back like that is that LaShawn McCoy has great vision. So when he, when he starts a run, there's a scripted way the play is supposed to go. And that's the way Felton goes. And that's the way Felton goes. He flows with the play. But LaShawn McCoy at any given moment can see what he sees and make a cut and run the opposite direction. If that's what he sees, he has the speed to hit the hole and keep driving that way for extra yards. And so I think the reason why people are like, oh, well, Felton wasn't effective. No, he's just, he plays a position that this type of running back doesn't need. You know, you there, there's no value to having an extra guy in, you know, in between the tackles when you snap the ball if your running back won't run behind him.
3: And we'll save money if we cut him.
6: Yeah, And that's that's the storyline underneath all this. I think that if we were, because I know that if we were to keep Gronkowski and cut Felton, we save 1.5 on the cap that we can roll into next year when obviously we have a lot of big decisions coming up.
5: Yeah, you know what? Uh, the cat really won't matter. I, it's just, it's puzzling because Greg Roman's system, you'd go back to his days in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. No one used the fullback more than the 49ers did when, when Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator. Um, but like you said, the conflict is, is that LaShawn McCoy is such a creative back. He does, he's very unorthodox. So he really doesn't need to use a fullback. So it's almost like a complete difference in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I really, I'm going to say this right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Glenn or Jerome aren't on the roster. I just think with all our running back issues going on right now and the possibility of Reggie Bush signing, uh, the fullback might be a position where the Bills don't think they even need one. No, and that's true.
6: That could absolutely happen.
5: Yeah. So I'm going to say though we're better because of that passing element with, with Glenn Gronkowski.
6: I'm going to say we're pretty much the same because I don't think that like you were alluding to, they could both be gone.
5: I mean, I think I mean, like, yeah, if you were just going to on that aspect, of course, I'm going to say we're pretty much the same. But like I said, I think that Glenn gives you a little bit different than what John and Jerome did last year. Yeah, that's true. So the guard position.
6: Now, this is where things get Interesting. Last year, we had the numbers. John Miller was a rookie. We had Richie Incognito, Cyril Richardson, Daryl Johnson, DJ Morrell, some guy named Alex Cooper, and another guy named William Campbell, who I literally had to Google to figure out who he was, like where he came from, how old he was, find out whether or not he was you don't a rookie. Know,
5: you don't know William Campbell from Michigan? Come on.
6: No, I don't know William Campbell from Michigan. He plays, he plays, <laughs> he plays too far north for the football that I pay attention to.
5: Uh, okay. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Last season, we came into camp, the picture was kind of fuzzy, and we had no idea who our starting guards were going to be. Right. I mean, we, they drafted yeah. Miller as a third rounder. Richardson had played the year before, but he struggled because he can't, he's just not good at pass protecting at an NFL level. But for, as a run blocker, he's a mauler.
5: Oh, he's he's a mauler. Yeah, and, no doubt about that. And
6: Incognito was coming back from his, you know, what did he spend, a year, year and a half just being exiled from football altogether?
5: Year and a half, yep.
6: So he's coming in off the couch. I mean, I'm sure, he, obviously he's working out, but he's coming in, to, to use a boxing term, he's coming in off the couch. And we've got a rookie, and we're talking about who is going to grab this starting job. Well, now we're coming into camp this year. We've got second-year John Miller. Tenth year vet and Pro Bowler Richie Incognito. A rookie in uh, Jameson Lulk, who I don't expect to stick around. Nah. Cyr- Cyril Richardson is back. He's back for another tour. And some guy named Ryan Groy, who I've also never heard of. I think yeah. that the fact that we're coming into camp with two, you know, bona fide, hey, we know these are our guys, these are our starters. I think that alone cemented that this year's guard. Even though it's not as deep, you know there's not as many bodies at the position, but I think we're much better talent-wise.
5: Absolutely, and you just hope that John Miller could stay healthy. Uh, he was in and out of the lineup last year, uh, and you know also the development of the kid. Uh, I would look for him to take that next step. He admitted that he was worn out, you know, midway through the season, like most college players are mm-hmm. when they rookies when they get out of college into the pros. So. We're just hoping that John Miller starts to develop a little bit more. And I think he will, you know. He was known as a guy in Louisville who pulled and knocked guys off the ball. And uh, I think he will. And like I said, I like Sir Richardson. I loved him coming out of Baylor. He ran a, they ran a gimmick offense out of Baylor. So he was asked to do very limited things. But uh, there's no mistaking that Aaron Cromer is one of the best offensive line coaches in the game. And you could look at his history with the New Orleans Saints, from Carl Nix to Jari Evans to uh, Jamar Bushrod. There's, all those guys made Pro Bowls under Aaron Cromer. I saw so, that we um, hired pro- his
3: son. Did we? That's why uh, I I could swear on Pro Football Talk that they
5: had something about. Uh, well, just don't just about- don't leave your beach chairs around both of them at the same time. Oh you know? Jesus.
6: That was the best. Chris used to have this drop he would play, and it was just Will Ferrell yelling, I'll murder your family. Anytime <laughs> we bring up Aaron Cromer, he'd...
3: Yeah, 2.30 this afternoon, uh, pro football talk. Bill's hire son of offensive line coach Aaron Cromer. I'll you, you
6: know what I think would be the ultimate coup here, though, is that if we can just get Cyril Richardson to learn how to be a depth player at the guard position, and I think that the reason they didn't bring in more guards is because they're looking for him to take that next step. If he can provide some depth, This position might be better now than it has been in the last four or five years.
5: Yeah, Uh, and like I said, Cyril Richardson is is a good run blocker. He's, I mean, you got to turn. There's a montage of him on YouTube of just him blowing guys with the ball back in Baylor, including former first round pick Malcolm Brown. Mm -hmm. The only thing is that we're not fooling anyone. If if he's coming in the game, it's usually going to be a run. So. If he could improve on his pass blocking, I think we could fool a lot of teams by Mm -hmm. using him. And, and, you know, last year, Greg Roman liked to use that sixth offensive lineman in the game. Uh, He used it with Quant.
6: He's a huge believer in, you know, for as many teams that, you know, they like the run blocking tight end because it, it makes the defense think, hey, what if that guy goes out for a pass? Roman's one of those guys who likes to load up the line, show you his hand. He's like, look it, I'm coming.
4: I'm going to yeah. I'm
6: clearly coming at you. Get ready for it. Try and yep. stop me. And I mean we weren't the number 1 rushing team in the NFL for nothing.
5: <laughs> right, exactly. And and, and a lot of, it has to do with the talent, the coaching, and and just really uh, the scheme itself. And you know, like you said, uh, Greg Roman's kind of brace and brash and saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to run at you. Just stop it." But teams had a hard time last year doing that.
6: Oh yeah, and I think it's gonna get worse. I mean, they do a lot of pin and pull runs, they do a lot of different things, and he his blocking schemes are ingenious, but just the fact that he's willing to commit to just listen, I'm gonna he you go into a game with the Buffalo Bills, and if I'm a if I'm a defensive coordinator, I go in there, just I'm telling my players, look it. Man, these guys are gonna what? look to beat you up. They are gonna yeah. come at you play after play after play after play, and in the third quarter you guys that's when you gotta put your big boy pants on because you're gonna be tired. You're going to be warned, and they're not going to stop coming.
3: We'll just look at what our line did against Houston and J.J. Watt last year. Yeah. Just amazing.
6: Neutralized. neutralized Watt and just kept running the football. But when
3: it came to Fletcher Cox, <laughs> different story.
5: Yeah. I mean, you also got to factor and some of our best games were against some of the most feared D-lines. Uh, mm-hmm. The New York Jets probably have one of the best D-lines, and LaShawn really took off on them, and— You know, Tyrod Taylor had all the time in the world that second game to throw the ball. So Mm -hmm. it really shows you how good our offensive line is. And and really, elite competition kind of looks minute when they go up against our boys, which which is encouraging. And I will say, because we're so proficient in the run, I really look for Tyrod Taylor to really scare a lot of teams this year with his passing ability. I think that's going to be the big X factor coming in this season that he could probably drop back over 50 60 times a game and really light teams up because they're so fearful of the run and stacking the box
6: you're a you were a fighter right i've 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 done a little bit of amateur boxing you know i used to work out with a bunch of guys who boxed i've worked the bag i know basic footwork i know a couple combinations i've done a little bit of sparring here and there right you know all about setting guys up Oh, absolutely. You set him up. You work one combo and you just keep working and keep working and keep working. It. And then eventually you open it up with something. But you use that combination to open that guy up for whether it's just a hook or whether it's an uppercut. You're trying to manipulate. It's like a chess match. Football's yeah. Football is very much the same way. This right. season, if Tyrod Taylor can take that next step and really learn to utilize the whole field. And they get more comfortable with his ability to pass the ball, it can make us lethal. Because teams have no choice but to respect the fact that we're gonna run the ball down their throat, like you were saying. But at the same time, watch out for that knockout punch because how many times did Sammy get loose in somebody's secondary? Like that Miami game. Which one how many, right? time, how many times is Miami gonna get loose is uh, Sammy gonna get loose in your secondary or Charles Clay, someone blows an assignment because everyone's biting on the run fake. And Charles Clay's going to be wide open for a 41-yard touchdown. Like, Those are the things that are going to happen, and they're going to trust him to do more of that if he gets better. Right. And I think a lot of it starts up front. It really does. Since we're going alphabetically, the next position, we're going to talk about kickers. <laughs> That's right, folks. I didn't stutter. Kickers. Last year going into camp, we had Dan Carpenter and Jordan Gay on the roster. This year they're both back, and we brought in a rookie from Georgia, Morgan Marshall. Now, uh, well, excuse me, Marshall Morgan. Now, the thing I like about him is that it's pretty much the same next year as it was last year. Marshall Morgan brings a little bit, you know, a little bit of fresh blood to the position group, but at the same time, kickers are so hard to pin down. I mean, most of the guys who are any good in the NFL come from soccer leagues.
5: Yeah. I- I would say, listen, uh, the Marshall kid, he he's pretty much keeping Dan Carpenter honest. I mean, let's face it, Dan Carpenter had a terrible season last year. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, I was wondering why we weren't cutting him, you know, when he was missing all these field goals. So uh, my, my honest opinion is that Dan Carpenter got worse as a kicker, and I think that's actually a downgrade from last year because we thought we had a pretty good kicker on the roster. And now our – we're actually looking at this young kid out of Georgia to be maybe the man. So it's a big mystery to us right now who's going to be our kicker. I think when you, when you have that going, it's a downgrade. Are you going to care if you're
3: Doug Whaley and Rex Ryan? Are you carrying two kickers this year? I hope to heck not. I really don't. I mean, you're uh, wasting was... a roster spot
5: by doing that. Ross Cockrell. Really,
6: Ross Cockrell could have been a Buffalo Bill last year if Jordan Gate didn't need to
5: wear a uniform on well, Sundays. Well, that's why I'm hoping if, if if, and when we sign another run back, which we will, I don't know if it will be Bush or not. It looks like it. I hope to see on my app that little Bill's out icon. I hope to see oh you know Reggie Bush signed, Jordan Gate waved. I hope to see that.
6: <laughs> I mean, what I'll say about the kicking position is that Marshall Morgan, it's intriguing. I, I watched him. I watched a lot of Georgia because I'm an SEC guy. Right. He's not a bad kicker and he's made some clutch kicks. So it'll be interesting to see if he can, in fact, push Dan Carpenter for that job. You're right. Maybe it is just a kick in the pants. But in reality, we're still just talking about kickers.
3: I play real sports. Not yeah. trying to be the best at exercising.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the next spot. Now, Long snapper, we actually had, last week, we interviewed long snapper Reed Ferguson. Because I know him. <laughs> he knew Chris growing up. He came onto our show. But it was a great interview and getting to know more about him. I think it speaks volumes that last season, Garrison Sanborn, I mean, he's been our snapper long snapper for the past couple years. He had no competition coming into training camp last year. This year, they've decided to use one of our 90-man spots to bring in a second long snapper to compete with Sanborn. Yeah. And what does that say about how the coaching staff looks at Sanborn's production and what they hope to get out of that position?
5: Well, you know, the field goals that we missed last year, you, you can probably attribute some of that on Sanborn. Maybe not. I'm going to say mostly on Carpenter. But, uh, you know, the snaps were – they weren't consistent. I mean, Garrison Sanborn has been a mainstay. For quite some time with the Buffalo Bills, but you know, maybe he's becoming a little stale in this game. And Reed Ferguson's maybe that guy, just like Carpenter, maybe needs a kick in the rear end and maybe he could get to throne. Uh, you know, Chris, I know he's your buddy and you grew up with him. I don't know if he can beat out Sanborn, but I, I, I definitely like the competition. I think competition makes us all perform be- better, whether it's professionally, whether it's business, whatever, you know, anything you can Always push yourself to new limits when you have competition.
3: I'm hoping he does beat out Sanborn. That way I have huh? a roommate and we have a third contestant on the rock pile report.
6: <laughs> what I'll yeah. say is this. I, I agree with you 100%. And I actually wrote it when I was going over my notes. I think that this position is better going into this training camp, specifically because there's actual competition. You said it. Competition brings out the best in everybody. Right. W- what was Buddy, you know, Buddy Nick said it. And then Whaley kind of you know, parroted it as he came on and as he took over as GM. You want yeah. competition. When you're a bad football team, what do you do is you just keep bringing in guys. You keep throwing bodies at a position. You compete, you compete, you compete because somebody is going to rise above the rest.
5: Yeah, it is true. And honestly, uh, you mentioned the name Buddy Nix. I really miss that guy. Uh, honestly, I'm so glad we have Whaley as our GM. But the interviews with Buddy Nix oh. were just classic.
6: One of my favorites was he has a quote and he was just like, Oh, somebody asked if his uh, oh somebody asked how he felt about something and whether something hurt his uh, feelings or not. And he was like, he goes, Yeah, he goes, but this is football. He goes, Nobody cares about my feelings. He goes, Hell, I go home and talk to my wife. She doesn't care about him either.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: I one of my favorite buddy Nick's quotes was they were interviewing about when he hired Chan Gailey. And, you know, of course there's some disdain amongst <laughs> the Bills reporters. And he was talking about, I must have got about 30 phone calls, wanting his job and begging for an interview. He's like, don't think that you can't fill a coaching job. Oakland gets a lot of phone calls. And he's like, I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have
6: said that. See, I liked him because it was refreshing. Some guy who was just going to go
5: out there and talk. Well, he was a straight shooter. And, and, you know, he reminded me of one of my favorite, Some guy I honestly admire in business. Yeah, is is my, is my buddy, Ross Ross H Perot. <laughs> Ross Perot. I love Ross. I I love Ross Perot and Buddy Nick sounded so much like him. So it, every time he got on the podium, I, I just love hearing his voice. See, that's why I like Buddy Nick's was just
3: strictly his natural accent. I just loved hearing him yeah, talk.
5: <laughs> he comes off as a country bumpkin, but he's he knew football, you know. Oh yeah, he's not an. You don't get to be a football GM without knowing a thing or two about football. Right. So
6: then we move on to the punter. Cause we're doing this alphabetically, people, but I yeah. I screwed up and I moved some things around just because I wanted to get all the special teamers out of the way. We only have one punter. He was. <laughs> we only had one punter last year. We only had one punter this year. Who gives a damn about the punter position in training camp? I got to ask you, Gary, are there any teams out there right now that are going into training camp and are asking themselves, oh, I don't know who our punter is going to be. It's going to be a
5: fierce battle.
6: I mean, do you think there's teams out there that are saying that to themselves?
5: Yeah, the New York Jets right now are. They?
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> they, they have a little battle going between a, a guy they drafted in the sixth round and, and an undrafted guy. So, Oh, God. So, yes, there, there are teams that are worried about that. And let's face it. I, <laughs> I mean, at one point, we the only pro bowler we had on our team was a punter in Brian Moorman. He was probably our most valuable player at a certain points. So, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Colton uh,
6: Schmidt has done pretty well for himself. You know, that's oh, he I, has, and I I'll think that's right the, and I think that's the reason they're not bringing in anybody else is because they just know Colton's their guy, and it would be a waste of a spot. You know, like we were right. saying, it's interesting that they brought in competition at kicker. It's interesting that they brought in competition at long snapper. I think it's even more telling that they didn't bring in competition for him at punter. They're satisfied yeah, I mean, with the job he's doing, and he's got a lock on one of those 53 spots.
5: Yeah, and you know what? And I think that should, if, if I'm Colton Schmidt, you know, that, that just reassures me that the coaching staff and the front office have entrusted me with this spot. And really, now it's up to him to just go out there and play. You know, there's nothing, that, there's nobody breathing behind his neck. And, uh, you know, like I said, competition brings out the best, but obviously he's earned the right to just be the sole punter on that roster.
6: And in the case of the New York Jets, you know how you're talking about competition. The cream rises to the you know the cream always rises to the top. So do turds. Yeah. So do turds. Just remember that Jets fans. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember that. Now we're gonna get to one of my favorite topics and one of the main reasons I wanted you on this show: uh-huh. the linebacker position heading into training camp. Eric Stryker. <laughs> Let's, yeah. let's talk about this for a few minutes. Last season, these were our linebackers. And just hearing their names and knowing what you know about them as Bills fans, you can, you can tell that it had a lot to do with our scheme. Our linebackers going into last season were Manny Lawson, Randell Johnson, you know, career project, Michael Buchanan, Preston Brown, Nigel Bradham, Ty Powell, Tony Stewart, A.J. Tarpley, and Jimmy Gaines yeah the by the you know by the end of the season okay you can see well first off let's take a look at who we brought in this year let's list the names Zach Brown formerly of Tennessee five-year pro one of the guys that as soon as free agency started I was clamoring for him I was telling everyone who would listen we got to go out and get Zach Brown he makes too much sense he's a chaser the guy's athletic as hell he can get out there and just you know, let's say Raglan doesn't pan out. You can put Zach Brown in there and still have an athletic linebacker back there. Absolutely. We brought, we brought Kevin Reddick, your boy Eric Stryker, undrafted free agent rookie. Randall Johnson still kicking around. Man. Jamari Lattimore, former Jet. Manny Lawson, manned the middle of our defense for the, the back half of last season. Reggie Ragland, rookie out of Alabama, rolled damn tied. Some kid, <laughs> na- some kid named Bryson Albright. Never heard of him. Probably won't ever hear from hear about him again. Lorenzo Alexander. Now, there's an interesting guy because he's been a career special teamer, but he's filled in here and there, and he hasn't looked completely lost. Preston Brown okay. and IK in <laughs> Now, I think if you just take a look at the list of names I just read compared to who we went into with last year to training camp, the transition to the new defense is driving this need for linebackers. You know, in the last year's defense you only needed three linebackers on the field. Now you need four, sometimes maybe five, someone like Manny to play a down line, you know, a, a down position on the line. I just feel like this position is so deep. And I think they learned their lesson from last season when they came in and their depth was just their depth was atrocious.
5: Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, what more can you say? I mean, pretty much, I mean, you go in that last game of the year and you could just see how depleted we were as a team and names like A.J. Tarpley were starting and Chris Gragg And, you know, you were just you're looking at that team and you're like, how are we going to beat the Jets? They have everything to, to play for and we have, we have all these third-string guys. Mm-hmm. But it's so comforting to know now, especially the linebacker position, like you said, to have that comfort, that Zach Brown, who's – really essentially he's been a starter his whole career he's now a backup for us you know and you know we have to duly note that a lot of these names you mentioned are are what this new position is called is the edge position where Mm -hmm. guys like guys like max valleys guys like cedric reed guys like i and pali they're all playing this rush linebacker spot but either way uh you know you got you got jerry hughes you got shaq lawson with the pencil and stars you're going to miss shaq lawson who cares? you got Manny Lawson, who's almost like the Swiss Army knight, <laughs> knife of linebackers. That guy's you incredible. Plug that guy. He I really re- is. I remember and, watching you know,
6: the game we beat the Ravens. Do you remember the game where um, oh, yeah. Kiko picked it off to win the, to seal the victory? There was a play oh, yeah. where I watch um, oh, Marlon Brown was the receiver. He'd already burned us for a touchdown. The Ravens were marching. Flacco hucks up a deep ball. He must have thrown this ball pro- I mean, they were on maybe the forty on our side. He just threw it end zone. And it fell yeah. at about the ten yard line, and the receiver just got out positioned by the guy who was covering him. And so he couldn't cut back in and get to the ball, and they didn't call it interference. Like it was good coverage. And I remember looking and being like, Jesus, that's a big cornerback. Oh no, that's Manny Lawson. That's <laughs> Manny Lawson yeah. running with Marlon Brown down the sideline. Yeah, like, what if the you hell? Don't
4: know what-
5: yeah, I mean Manny Lawson's a freak athlete. I mean this guy has a 40-inch vertical. You know, and you got to remember in the combine he ran a 4.43. That's that's just as fast as what Sammy Watkins ran. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> just t- or actually, you know, you got to think that guy he outweighs Sammy Watkins by over 30 pounds. So he's just a freak athlete. Um, I was so happy when we picked him up in 2013. You know, especially the price we got him at. I thought that he was a complete steal. Mm -hmm. You look at his tenure with San Francisco, his tenure with uh, Cincinnati, he always started. uh, And he's been kind of this uh, reserve role for the Bills. But, you know, he's really, he does everything for us. You You can't ask for a better pro than Manny Lawson. Not
6: at all. I would challenge anybody out there, anyone who's listening, to get in the ring with me and try to argue that our current crop of linebackers isn't deeper and more talented than last year's.
2: Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence.
5: Yeah, there's no question about that.
6: So, we're going to move on to the quarterback spot. Now, as you alluded to earlier, you know, we're pretty much set. (laughs) I mean, Tyrod Taylor, if he takes the next step, it could make our offense lethal. I think the interesting part behind all this is that this morning I'm driving into work and I'm listening to WGR 550. It's our local Buffalo sports radio station. And Howard Simon said it. This might be the first Bills offseason in years where there is no quarterback competition. So, yeah. Can you remember the last – who was the last quarterback? Kelly Holcomb. To just go into an offseason and everyone was like, this is our guy. Gabron Hamden. Oh, my God. Uh, Travis Brown. I
3: Brian mean, Brom.
5: If you really <laughs> – <laughs> Uh, You know, it's funny, man. You mentioned that. Someone posted up on, uh, I think it was Facebook or or Twitter. It had uh, the presidential ballot. It had Hillary Clinton, a box for her, and then, of course, Donald Trump. And then on the bottom, it said J.P. Loesman. (laughs) I
4: mean,
5: mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, we had one year – Fitz was the clear-cut starter. We had one year where Trent Edwards was supposed to be the man, but after those seasons, both those names fizzled out real fast for Bills fans. So, yeah, I mean Tyrod Taylor, you can't ask 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. You can't get much better than that the quarterback position. He's He's almost mistake-free type of football. He has got a a nice cannon. It seems like him and Sammy really have a good relationship going. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if we could get him locked up and if he could continue to produce and be more comfortable in this offense and really open up the playbook, Tyrod Taylor is going to be rewarded with one of those big deals that we've been seeing a lot of these quarterbacks get. See, I'm not
6: so much worried about that. What I look at is when I'm taking a look at this, you know, I take a look at what we have on the, on the you know, on our roster right now at, at the quarterback position, I'm a little concerned that we don't have four quarterbacks because I don't want Tyrod taking a ton of preseason snaps. I really don't. I don't want him exposed to hits. I don't want him exposed to any unnecessary any unnecessary contact. Let EJ yeah. go out there and do that. Let Cardale Jones go out there and cut his teeth at the NFL level. Captain. Cardale Jones. (laughs) 12-gauge. 12-gauge Cardale Jones. I worry about the depth at this position. I mean, I think when you look at, we're coming into this year, Cardale Jones, EJ Manuel, Tyrod Taylor. Last year we came in, Tyrod Taylor, EJ Manuel, Matt Castle, and Matt Sims. Matt Sims yeah. played one game, and he was One God of awful. the
3: all-time great preseason throws ever against the Lions, where he threw it like 15 yards behind him.
6: Dude, I watched <laughs> that game. In fact, I met my girlfriend at that game, my current girlfriend. Okay, I went to that game. Wasn't dating her at the time, but bumped into her. With, she was with a bunch of her friends. I was with a bunch of my friends. Bumped into her. And she's like, oh, so what do you think about the game so far? And I just remember just – I had been drinking and I just started laughing my balls off about how bad it was. I'm like, are you really trying to have a conversation with me about the game? The game is a mess because our quarterback, this Matt Sims guy, doesn't belong in the NFL. And sure enough, where is he? He's not in the NFL. He's not not even in the AFL. I think they brought – it. I mean – Gary, what do you th- what do you think? Did they bring him in for that one game just to see if he had anything, or did they bring him in just so that nobody got hurt?
5: Ah, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, Phil Sims placed a phone call on the Rex. Hey, do my kid a favor. <laughs> you know, he needs some shine. Can you can you play him for this one last game? And uh, you know, Rex being the generous guy, he is. Yeah, we'll play him. <laughs> uh, I can't. You know, I, I, it may have went down like that, but no. I would like to have more bodies. You're absolutely right. It de- it definitely worries me. I don't think Tyrod's going to play a whole lot, um, which is good. But I'd like to get maybe one more <laughs> body in there. I mean, I think Jimmy Clausen is still available. I know he. I'm not saying he's he's going to make the team, but I'd like to get another guy in there where you know we could give some of these other guys reps and. Uh, well, that's you know, what I'm Carlos saying. To-
6: well, exactly like what you're saying. I'm looking at positions where we're, we've got. So many guys that I don't even know some of their friggin' names. Like kicker. Well, no, because at cornerback, look at there's multiple positions. Cornerback we loaded up on known commodities. You know? They went out and got guys who knew how to play in the at the NFL level. Right. Then you look at some of these positions like, I don't know. You got a guy like Max valelis What is he actually going to bring for you?
5: You know what though? I'm telling you this right now. You might be really shocked to know that Max Valleys might be a really good pickup for our team. I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy that came out of the University of Virginia. Keep in mind, he's the youngest guy on our roster currently.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: He, and he came out, you know, in 2014. Uh, he had nine and a half sacks. He came out his redshirt sophomore year. So he's still developing as a player. And he came in with nine and a half sacks, a bunch of batted balls. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on Max. He's been quite... Quiet, but I've been keeping my eye on that kid for a while.
6: You're telling me not to sleep, but I've already gone to bed, so I can't oh, hear you. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's I've, he's not, I've already gone to bed. Not, I can't hear you.
5: Just because he's not a, a roll tie player. Oh, no, know? just
6: because he's not – not even because he's not from Alabama. He's coming from a program that has no pedigree. Yeah, he play, well, what, and he plays no real competition. If you do, If you come from some D1 school that's barely a D1 football school, Okay, your basketball Whoa. team might be great, but if your football team is barely D1, I don't care what your stats were because odds are you're playing teams that don't matter. That's well, great on. if hey, Alabama if Alabama got to play Virginia every year, what do you think that game would look like?
5: but but you're saying his, you're saying his competition is not good. He's going up against Clemson. he's going up against Florida State, Miami. Okay, yeah, so, so what
6: I want to do is I want to see how he looks in those games cuz you know what I you know what I see when I watch those games? I don't see any highlights of Max <laughs> I don't see any of his highlights. You know what I see well, is Clemson just dropping bombs on under on under on Virginia as they walk home with a victory.
5: Like I said, he he is the youngest player on the roster. The development of that kid, uh he you know, he might not be a roster spot guy, but the bills are definitely keeping him around the practice squad and and uh, put on the put on the Louisville tape. You'd be really surprised to see how well he played that game.
6: I have to point something out that Chris brought up to me. You love talking about the tape. It's always about the
5: tape. You're like, watch the tape. Well, that, well, that's you know, that's what it is. You know, a lot of these other people that go back and forth on me with Twitter, they always want to show point out what Pro Football Focus says or what CBS Sports says. But I always say the tape tells a different tale. You know. uh I got into it with some Jets fans over Darrell. We had this big Darrell Reeves versus Stefan Gilmore debate. I don't know if you heard, listened to it. And they were telling me, Oh, but look at it. he has the lowest completion percentage and uh, this and this and that. I said, It's it's pretty easy when you're Darrell Revis not to get the ball thrown to your side when you have Antonio Cromartie and Marcus Williams on the other side. Now try mm-hmm. being Stefan Gilmore when he has Ronald Darby on the other side. It's a hard choice for a quarterback to Choose whether he's going to throw it against Ronald Darby or Stephon Gilmore. So, of course, Stephon Gilmore is going to be tested a lot more than Ronald Darby. Get out of here, just go. Are you shooing bums? I
4: don't want
6: to hear. I
3: think Gary, this is fun.
5: No, no, I'm here. World star? Is that no, we're good. Was that a world star <laughs> moment? Some kid just rolled up. <laughs> Jesus, I I gotta handle. I have to handle business sometimes, guys. I, live on the air. <laughs> I,
6: I I can see that, guys. Yeah. Gary, guys, if you ever need a bouncer for any of your parties, call Gary Smith. You That's just heard right. it. He knows how to. He knows how to dismiss people. Yeah. Speaking of getting dismissed, let's talk about the running backs. Okay. Now you're talking about them signing Reggie Bush. I'm gonna read off the list. Last year we came off, you know. Came into training camp with LaShawn McCoy, Anthony Dixon, Fred Jackson, Carlos Williams, and Bryce Brown. Carlos Williams was a rookie. Fifth-round draft pick. Anthony Dixon coming from the 49ers. Everyone was pumped up about his contributions because he, he was a guy that I had liked in the draft when he got, the year he got drafted. Fred Jackson was here. LaShawn McCoy was here. And everyone said, oh, our running backs are going to be, you know, they're going to be deep. It turns out by the end of the season – Three of these guys weren't playing anymore. Yeah. Mike Gilliesley was in there. You had guys like Boom Heron stepping in for games and taking reps. So this season we've got Boom Heron, Mike Gilliesley, LaShawn McCoy, Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Williams, rookie draft, fifth round draft pick, Carlos Williams coming back from last year after a phenomenal season, but he kind of got banged up down the stretch. You know, he had some injury issues, a concussion that he really had a lot of trouble shaking. And then one of my favorite prospects out of the entire bunch, James Wilder Jr. Can't, I'm going to need some help from you to try to figure this out because I'm split. I mean, we had the group that was experienced last year and everyone said, oh, that's our depth, that's our strength. And then that depth really, I mean, for as much as we ran the ball well, I feel like three out of these five guys really didn't, you know, really didn't, you know, Fred Jackson obviously got cut. The rest of these guys didn't really give anything to the team. There was no value there.
4: Yeah. Uh,
5: My whole thing on this is that last year, while a lot of people were excited about, you know, Fred and Lashawn, and I knew Fred was on the downswing and uh, I was actually one of the few guys that spoke up. I said, you know, we got to cut Fred Jackson. Uh, a lot of people gave me a flack. I mean, a couple of my local buddies, you know, they're like, like oh, I yeah. said, he's not the, you know, he's good at breaking tackles, but he's getting tackled, uh, you know, after he gets one yard. And, he, and people are just gang tackling him. So mm-hmm. I, I knew that the end was for Fred. I didn't know what we had in Carlos Williams. I know, mm-hmm. Now I know what we have. Well, and I think that that's why I, they like let John-
6: Fred Jackson go, is because they're like, we know, Fred ja- we know Carlos Williams is going to be the real deal as number two.
5: Nut. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that, you know, obviously it's really disheartening seeing what Carlos Williams is doing right now. Uh, it's almost like, you know, come on, you're screwing it up, guy. You've got to really get your stuff together. But you got Jonathan Williams. Mike Gillisley looks really good in this system. Um, and, you know, I like Boom Herring. He had a great showing a couple of years ago in the playoffs with the Colts. James Wilder Jr., a lot of people are high on him. See, for me, Man, I, I like say James a lot of Wilder people, Jr. Because,
6: I was going to say, I, I take it you're not high on him? I
5: don't understand what it is. I really don't. I, I,
3: it's 3% percent I body like, fat. That's what you don't understand. He's got 3% body fat coming into training camp. Yeah. But Andy loves his fans. He you just gotta, had a kickball you
5: really gotta game. you need got to realize that James Wilder Jr., I know, and I, and I like that about them. Good special teams player. I'll tell you right now, if he does make the team, it's going to be through special teams. He's a hard guy to bring down, but keep in mind, he's not a fluid athlete. He's got a weird running style, and he was always a part-time player at Florida State. Uh, He never really was the guy, and he was undrafted. He's kind of an awkward built for the running back position, 6'3", 232. He's built more of like an H-back or a, a small linebacker, if that. So... Now, here's what I'll say because I'll say this.
6: I've spent a lot of my time looking at the running back position and what it's going to be this season because we know that's the strength of our offense, right? That's the engine that makes this train run is our running game. I feel like we are better this season than we were last season because for all the NFL experience that those guys had last year, we've got young guys who are built in the same mold. Carlos Williams, Jonathan Williams, James Wilder Jr., you know what they all have in common? They're all over six feet tall. They're all over 225 pounds, and they are north and south runners, which is what Greg Roman needs to fire his offense. Greg Roman turned Frank Gore into a household name. Why? Because he knew that Frank Gore had one direction, and that was to lower his helmet and run forward. But when he made that one cut and went, he could do it with impact. All three of those guys can do that well. Now, the thing I like about James Wilder Jr. is that I think above Carlos and above Jonathan, James Wilder Jr. is a much better special teams player than either one of those guys. So if I want anybody on the team as my running back three, Mike Mike Gilliesley is okay in this system. You're talking about how he's good. He's a guy who cannot run between the tackles. He can't. He averages one to two yards per carry. When he can get outside the tackles, he has enough vision to kind of stack block on block on block and get long yards. But how often does that really happen? You know, he's got a lot well, of highlight plays, but if you look at all of his carries in a Bills uniform, that probably accounts for less than
5: 20%. I get that. But here, <laughs> here's where we defer, you and I, Drew, is that given the situation last year, McCoy went down. Carlos Williams went down. I'd be really sad to find out that James Wilder Jr. is the guy who's toting the rock uh, during the season. I would think that it'd be a nightmare for us as being a running team. He's not as good as he is on special teams. He's not good enough to deem that that spot's worthy as far as playing time on the field. Because let's face it, we had Booby Dixon on the team last year, who's a good special teams back. When both those guys went down... Booby wasn't the guy getting his name called to play in place of that. Same thing with James Wilder Jr. He won't be the guy. Touchdown Mike will be the third back on this roster. Either him, Jonathan Williams, or possibly the signing of another running back. Well,
6: oh, I see four. I, think, I see us carrying four. After last season, well, there, what happened with McCoy and everything else.
5: We might have to get rid of a fullback. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we're definitely had to get rid of another, uh, one of the kickers too. It has to be one kicker on that roster. I'll tell you this. I I'm going to make a bet with you. Uh-oh. I will fulfill
6: it when the 49ers, you know, when the 49ers play here in Buffalo and you come here to watch the game, we're going to make a bet, a gentleman's bet right now. James Wilder Jr. makes the 53. If he doesn't, and your boy Mike Gilliesley makes the roster above him, I will buy your
5: first drink. It's a deal. I say Gillisley over Wild. All right, well, I'm, and I'm, I like Wilder. Get me, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a Wilder hater. I just think that touchdown Mike, he's a yeah. home run threat, and I think the Bills really saw a lot in him last year. So you're right. I'm going to go with Mike Gillisley all day on that.
6: All right. Well, the bet is made. Let's move on.
5: Florida versus Florida State. (laughs) Let's
6: move on here. Safety. The safety position now is one of the positions that I'm kind of down on this season. I'm looking at last year's roster, and it. I mean, you look at the names. Aaron Williams, Corey Graham, Duke Williams, Jonathan Meeks, who, to be honest, I don't even know why he's still here. He doesn't get to play that often. He's never made a single meaningful play in a Bills uniform. Kenny Ladler. Kenny Ladler was, he's out of Vanderbilt. The guy was good at Vandy, but hes he just hasn't done anything. Bakari Rambo had a nose. He single-handedly won us that Jets game. Wesley Miller and Dion Broomfield. Again, I don't know what the hell your name is. I have no reason why. I, you know, I, don't, I don't have any reason to commit it to memory. Then I look at the Bills roster this year. Jonathan Dowling. Okay, he was here. You know, He's a two-year pro. Corey Graham is obviously our starter. Aaron Williams, obviously our starter at safety, barring his health. Jonathan Meeks, again, he still manages to find a roster spot. Duke Williams, up, down. It, you know, the, the guy's whole career is an enigma. I don't know where he's going to go. But then we brought in Colt Anderson and Robert Blanton. Now, we're not stacked with talent at the safety position heading into training camp. And I think it's one of the weaker position groups on our entire team. But the only surefire starters we had coming into camp last year were Aaron Williams and Corey Graham. I mean, would you agree with me on that?
5: I would disagree. I think Robert Blatton is a, is a quality safety that we picked up in the offseason.
6: Oh, no, I'm saying you're last a- season. Last season, we only had oh, two last bona yeah. fide starters coming into training yeah. camp. Everyone else was kind of a question mark.
4: This yeah, you're year, right
6: and and I even have it here in my notes the the addition of Blanton I was so pumped when I saw that because I remember watching the Vikings play with him when he was their starter the only reason he got demoted have you seen how good Harrison Smith is that kid oh, absolutely. Is, that kid is amazing so he's he, a monster he lost his job when Harrison Smith got drafted
5: well they actually got drafted the same year so um, well when Harrison Smith really kind of owned the
6: role. Robert no, Blayton took over. He, he was a starter for one happened. season.
5: Robert Blayton actually played side by side with Harrison Smith. Um, the problem is is that what happened was that Robert Blayton was getting uh, he was getting a lot of the play though when when Harrison Smith or one of the other safeties would go down. Um mm-hmm. uh, but he's a quality starter. No, make no doubt about it. You know, like I said, I'm not the guy who lives and dies by pro football focus. But mm-hmm. he got positive grades in the run and the pass from pro football focus. Uh, and, you know, like I said, with the given situation with Aaron Williams, it's nice to know that you have a guy who has a lot of starts underneath his belt and who plays the game pretty well, you know, especially he's he's another one of those, uh, you know, you look at Corey Graham, you look at Aaron Williams, those guys are converted cornerbacks to safeties. Mm -hmm. Robert Blayton's the same thing. When he played for Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. he was a cornerback, you know? Mm -hmm.
6: No, absolutely. And you know what? That's what I think it comes down to is we've added another potential starter. We've added to the depth. It's almost like the linebacker position. You know, I'm impressed with Whaley this offseason. He realized the fact that we didn't have any depth last year, so when our starters went down, we had nothing. We got exposed. Bakari Rambo, for you know the fact that he's not on this roster speaks volumes to the fact that he couldn't cover worth a damn.
5: No, he couldn't. And you know, people get so enamored with his interceptions, but the bottom line is this: is that he was not a good safety. He didn't like to tackle. He, uh, I mean, just play that that game with the Jets. And when he, he had the angle on Chris Ivory, completely hit, scared to hit him, and then he got outran by a back that weighs 30 pounds heavier than him. <laughs> you know, he was. I'm just like, how is this guy even, uh, you know, I have a roster spot. And that's when I really said, man, I'm missing Aaron Williams. But, well, but here he, we go. You know, Aaron Williams, we don't know if he's going to be well,
6: exactly. able to. And I think that bringing in Blanton was the band-aid for the Aaron Williams situation. Because if it yeah. goes down, now we have a serviceable starter to slide into the roster. So we're going to talk about one of probably one of the biggest black marks on our entire roster right now, and something that's really—I mean—it's going to keep me up at night from week to week. The the offensive tackle position. Last year we only came into camp with four tackles: Cordy Glenn, Cyrus Quanjo, Chantrell Henderson, and some guy named Tyson Chandler. He was a rookie. This year, we're coming in with Cordy Glenn, fresh off his contract extension. Chantrell Henderson, he's going to start on the pup list because that guy cannot—he can't practice. He's coming off of the Crohn's disease. You know, he—he he has no shot at competing for a starting job on this roster. Cyrus Quanjo, who was once referred to as Venus De Milo by his position coach, a rookie named Marquise Lucas, Chris Martin. Some guy named Justin Renfro. Both of those guys are, you know, second-year pros, and then Jordan Mills, who finished the season as our starter. I mean, this is such a tough position because it's a critical one at the end. Like when you get to the NFL, you have to have good tackles, right? And we don't—we just don't have it. We've got two guys on this list of 2016 starters who might actually be able to start an NFL football game and be successful. Two, and if injury were to kick in,
5: I don't know what we would do. Yeah, I mean, uh, do we have Louis Vasquez's number on speed dial? I mean, it seems like that that should have been a no-brainer this offseason to give that guy a call. I tell you right now, if you could morph <laughs> Jordan Mills and Sean Trell Henderson into one tackle, you'd have a good pass blocking tight end and Sean Trell, I mean, a good ta- pass blocking tackle in Sean Trell Henderson and a good run blocking one in Jordan Mills, but it seems like those guys are just, they're not, they're deficient mm-hmm. in one area, and, and it's and it's a big deficiency. Uh, Cordy Glenn is the man, he's the cornerstone. Uh, you don't see that guy get beat often, but, but the right side is atrocious. And Drew, can you put him like, can you put in a phone call to your boy Cyrus Quanjo out of, out of Alabama and light a fire underneath that man's ass? I mean, come on. I was so
6: pumped when we drafted him. I almost so bought was his jersey. I. I almost bought his jersey, and I'm so happy that I didn't because the guy just, he has no get-off.
4: He has what no feet.
6: What it is is that, and that's the knee injury. Everyone Whoa. said, oh, and that's, he was supposed to be a first-round pick, and he fell to the second round. But the reason he fell to the second round was because of that degenerative knee issue. And people said, hey, this could be something that either gets him a shortened career or no career at all. But the Bills kind of rolled the dice on him. And I hate to say it, but I think at Alabama, they wore the tread off him. You know, they run the ball so much and you're in the trenches fighting so much that they wore the knees right off this guy. So now he makes it to the NFL level, but he has nothing more to give.
5: I uh, I completely agree with you. I think that, um, you know, and that's a, it's a big swing and a miss for us. I like the pick. I definitely understand the pick because it was a huge need for us, and he was there. You know, first-round talent, but unfortunately, you know, we see this time and time again. We we see uh, the the Dolphins are going through right now. Jay, Jay uh was a highly talented running back out of college, and then, you know, the thing came up with his knee, pushed him all the way down to the fifth round. Cyrus Quanjo, at one point, was considered the best tackle coming into the draft. And then these knee issues popped up. And sure enough, you saw a bunch of other names go ahead of him. So, And I don't think his career will ever get off the ground because of that issue. He can't bend his knees, guys. No, exactly. So
6: I'll say this. Considering the fact that we have two, only two starters at this position and then a bunch of guys who I, if they were starting, I would just – be on the edge of my seat watching that position the whole game, I have to say that we are way worse at this position.
3: Oh, no! We suck again!
6: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Next up is the tight end position. Now, tight ends last year, we brought a whole... We had a menagerie of tight ends. We had... (laughs) Last year we had Charles Clay fresh off his new signing, Marquise Gray, Nick O'Leary, you know, fifth-round draft pick. Or was he a sixth-rounder? Was he fifth or sixth? He was sixth. Matthew Mulligan, career-blocking tight end. Clay, some guy named Clay Burton, UDFA. Chris Gregg and Chris Manhurts. Yeah. Chris Manhurts went to go play for the Titans, and they started him in a few games. And it ended poorly. <laughs> It goes to tell you what that guy was all about. The fact is, this year we're coming in with a smaller group: in Nick O'Leary, Charles Clay, Jim Dre, Chris Gregg, and this kid Blake Annan. Now, I'll say this: this might be addition by subtraction. Nick O'Leary, by all accounts, really hasn't carved out a niche for himself. You know, last year they were worried that the Ravens were going to scoop him when they were running low on tight ends. So they cut Matthew Mulligan because they knew that Mulligan wasn't doing that good of a job blocking as a tight end. And they just didn't want to lose O'Leary. But by all accounts, O'Leary hasn't done anything to stand out from the other group of tight ends. Jim Dray is a seven-year tight end. He's been in the NFL for a long time. He is your the epitome of a run blocker who can occasionally catch the football. He's caught He's caught a couple touchdowns in his career. He's... You know, he's caught the ball well when it's thrown to him, but that's not what he's asked to do. He's asked to come in and be a run blocker. Chris Gragg, kind of the same role, except he hasn't really found a niche on offense. Charles Clay's really the only offensive threat out of all these. I think the wild card is Blake Annan. Blake Annan, you talk about him, he's a guy who, by all accounts, through minicamp and OTA, he's OTAs, he's fast. He guy's a lot of get off, and he's got size that makes him a matchup nightmare for safeties and linebackers. I mean, what do you think about these guys?
5: Uh, because you know what, every year the Bills, and especially Bills fans, we we get this fairy tale player that we think is going to come here and light the world up. You know, <laughs> whether it's our Martin niece or Derek Rogers. <laughs> you know Rick.
6: I remember that dude I remember uh who was it I had a man crush on this guy who he was like 370 something pounds he was almost oh, 400 Michael pounds Michael Jasper Yeah Jasper I watched like watching him play in college football was incredible because he was just the biggest man on the field so he could
5: just bully <laughs> people I met him I met him at the draft we drafted EJ Manuel and he was probably the largest guy in the room, no doubt about it. He, I mean, I have a picture. He makes me look like uh, like I'm, a, you know, a teen that hasn't gotten through puberty yet. Oh yeah, no, Michael Jasper was a huge man.
6: But so you're thinking that Blake Annan is this year's Michael Jasper?
4: Yes,
5: absolutely. <laughs> He's this year's Derek Roger. Michael Jasper. The list goes on and on.
6: Okay, so then I guess by comparison, do you think last year's tight end class because it had more bodies at it was better than this year's? Yeah, but you know what? I don't
5: consider quantity to be quality. So, so do you think we have more quality this year? i say it's a wash because we still got Clay, Greg, and instead of Matthew Mulligan, we got Jim Dre. No, no, you know what? I'll agree with that.
6: I'll agree with you on this. I won't fight you on it, Gary.
5: <laughs> I How think could you? Right. I
6: mean, it's... A- <laughs> and then the last group, the last group that we're going to talk about, and it's probably the most, out of all the position battles that are going to happen during camp this year, it's going to be the most interesting to watch, is the wide receiver group. Last, yeah, year, yeah. La- last year, we walked into camp with Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Percy Harvin, Chris Hogan, Marcus Easley, Marquise Goodwin. Right there, I just named you guys who all made the 53, okay? Then you've got Andre Davis, who was close. The guy was close. He made some flashy plays in the preseason. Some kid named Justin Brown, some guy named Caleb Holly, Tobias Palmer, Deontay Thompson, and Marcus Thigpen, who had been here for a hot minute. He was our kick returner. He, he famously ran back the punt that I called before it happened against the Green Bay Packers. Wow. And then you had Desmond Lewis as our only rookie wide receiver on the team. Right. This year, now, and I'll say this, the reason this is going to be the best battle to watch play out is because last season we knew who our top players were going to be. Okay, We knew that Harvin was our two, Robert Woods was our three, Hogan was our four, Easy was a special teamer, and Watkins was our number one.
4: We
5: knew
6: that unequivocally.
5: Yeah, you know what, and that's, and that's the difference right there because we knew who our top three were, but this year I think the depth is so good. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about guys that have a bunch of starting experience between Greg Little, Jared Boykin, Greg Solace, uh, and of course Leonard Hankerson, who I think is going to make the roster, and also a guy that I was very high on coming out of college was Colby Listenby. I really love this kid. Uh, I think there's no other player in college football last year, season who tracked the ball better than he did. And you got to wonder, Drew, Chris, if one of these guys could step up, whether it's Goodwin, Listenby, or Hankerson, all guys who are sub-4-4 guys, if one of those guys could step up and be the deep threat and alleviate some of that pressure off of Sammy Watkins, it's going to be very scary for the Bills And Sammy Watkins, because if he could get underneath stuff and start creating routes, because remember his time in Clemson, he was that guy that would catch the ball on a five-yard dump and just scatter up the field and take it to the house. Oh, if he had space.
6: See, that's the thing. Since he got to the NFL level, teams knew to bracket him. We're going to make sure he's double-covered. We're going to make sure linebackers know where he is, safeties know where he is. If you can get guys into the fold who can draw – who. Defensive coordinators have no cha- no choice but to draw the coverage away from Sammy Watkins. I think right. he could probably put up career numbers. I mean, yeah. you look at the rest of the guys who fill out our roster. We've got Greg Little, Greg Salas, Devontae Allen, rookie, don't know much about him. Gary Chambers, don't know much about him. We know Jared what he did at Duff's. <laughs> Robert Woods, okay? Sammy Watkins, they're, they're, we know who they are. There are number one and number two. Desmond Lewis is coming back for another tour. And then you've got Jared Boykin coming in. Now, Jared Boykin to me is probably one of the most intriguing guys on this list because he was supposed to be the heir apparent to that number three slash number two job in Green Bay. And then they took a third round pick on uh, Devontae Adams. And he just kind of, he was the forgotten, Jared Boykin was the forgotten man. I still think he's got skill he's got good hands I mean you look at all of them they're all journeymen everyone has something that they're hoping they can fix boy yeah. you know Boykin had his role and then he got beat out you have Hankerson who's been all over with different teams Greg little he's a physical specimen but he just his hands fail him when it matters maybe <laughs> a change of scenery is good for these guys I mean look at what Greg Solis did when he got cut by the Jets we picked him up we brought him in for our last two games. He might have won us that Jets game. If you look Absolutely. back at how many catches for first downs that guy had, he might have won us that game.
5: Yeah. To the to the, to the the note of Greg Solis and Leonard Hankerson, those guys were, it was never a lack of talent. In fact, it was injuries. Remember, Hankerson was the number three wide receiver in Washington, and he actually did really well for RG3. Mm-hmm. Shanahan and company and then he signed a one year deal with the Falcons last year after his contract expired with the Washington Redskins and he was their once again number three wide receiver and he wound up on IR they put him on injury settlement because he wanted you know obviously play and he got picked up by the Pats now he couldn't pick up their complex playbook, you know. I remember Chad Jackson. He couldn't pick
6: oh, it up Oh, I was going to say Chad Johnson. That's the epitome of when you know Chad Johnson can go to most teams. T.O. can walk into most teams and play football.
4: Right.
6: That's how so. complex the Patriots' offensive playbook is. That's why there are right. dynasties because they, right. they have the most complicated offensive schemes. Defensive yeah. coordinators just can never figure out from week to week how they're going to get attacked. And right. it's tough for players to buy into that, which is why I, I'm not shocked Hankerson didn't make it. I'm not shocked Ocho Senko didn't make it. Right. I, but I think that I th- we can both agree, for as much as maybe we've disagreed on certain things throughout this podcast, that this year's yeah. crop of wide receivers is way deeper than last year's. I mean, you just Absolutely. look at the, the, the sheer the experience. Is- just the experience on the side of the guys we brought in versus who was here last year. These are all NFL players. You know, we're not talking yeah. one year two. We're talking three, four, five years of NFL experience. These guys know what, expected, what is, is expected of them. And they're going to come out here and try to execute and win a job.
5: Yeah. And you know what the, the crazy thing is about is that this is their last chance for Greg Little, Jared Boykin, Greg Solis. This is it. They, they have a lot to prove. Uh, and then also, this is Robert Wood's contract year, so mm-hmm. there's a lot riding on for this group as a whole. So, And, and, and actually, the, the time that Sammy Watkins is missing, I look at this as a blessing because one of these guys has to step up and be the man in that time
6: absolutely without a doubt him not being there like i said the, the that's the reason i don't want a reggie bush in our backfield i want these young guys to get i want these other guys these other names out there to get touches because it's going to show us what we have and what we don't have
4: it's
5: yeah time but for you know what? to step up and the, take the that job. What, and i truth is the last thing i promise you i'm gonna disagree with it if we bring in a reggie bush He's a little bit different than any other running back we have on the roster except LaShawn McCoy. He kind of brings that running back that you can line up in the slot that you could give a bunch of screens to. So I think he adds a different element to the traditional go up the gut or take it for a, you know a pitch out play. Yeah,
6: No, no, no. And you know what? I'll give you that. I think maybe he does. But at the same time, I think in our scheme, we don't need a guy like that. We don't need more than
5: one of them doesn't hurt. (laughs) You know, it'd be be a pretty interesting proposition if you saw Shady and and Reggie Bush on the field at the same time.
6: At the end of all things, can we agree that the wide wide receiver position this year is much better than what we came into camp with last year? Absolutely. Okay, so then to recap all of this, I think that this year's team is shaping up, even though we have all of our doubters out there. It's shaping up to be a much better roster because you have better players to choose from than we had last season. Correct or incorrect? Absolutely. Gary, there's nobody else out there that I would, lo- like, that I would love to debate this stuff with more than you because you get it. I, and you watch, I, you watch film the way I watch film. You watches the yeah. tape. The tape.
5: <laughs> <laughs> when Gary, you put on the tape, gentlemen, and you see that Zuno is one of my top five wrestlers, then you'll know. You oh, know? Chris
6: will be up until two in the morning watching Yokozuna
5: now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I had a I had a strange feeling. I loved it. So I had this I had a strange feeling that this music was eventually gonna come on. Yeah, oh, absolutely
6: the third time. So now here's here's what I'm gonna ask you, Gary. What do you guys have planned for upcoming episodes of the AFC East Bros?
5: Well, you know, we have the rankings episodes. we got to finish that up. we still got the tight ends and the edge rusher guys. Um, we're going to start getting the camp coverage. In fact, both Kyle and I plan on going to the respective training camps of both the Bills and the Jets together. So, oh, so we're going to get the Bills fan perspective
6: and the Jets fan perspective of what's going on in the training camp. That's, see, now that's something I'd tune into. Guys, yeah. why don't you why don't you give yourself a shout-out and tell people where they can find your podcast?
5: Well, you guys can look us up at Stitcher and uh, also at iTunes. We're the AFC East Bros. We're on every Tuesday live at 6 o'clock. Uh, so please be joined to look us up and uh, give us a shout-out. Let us know. Write a review. Chris, you gave us a beautiful review. A little misleading. but it was Oh, a, great review. a little misleading.
3: I don't think it's that misleading.
5: Well, (laughs) your
3: the reviews your car wash are misleading. My reviews of your podcast
5: are not. Now we're now we're taking shots at each other. (laughs) (laughs) At
6: the end of the day, Gary, I'm pumped that you were here, and I appreciate you coming on our show, guys. We got to wrap this up because this is the longest podcast we've ever done. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Gary Smith. And this has been the Rockpile Report.